So welcome back to Hit Refresh podcast, a podcast by students for students, as many of you know, I guess all of you know, we've said it every time. And it's Saturday, it's it's the weekend, we're going to release this episode every, every weekend. Uh, we got you the best of the best today. As we always do, man, we, we, we care about you, okay? This is for you. So the first main thing that comes up when you're students is pressure, right? I don't... It doesn't matter which standard you're in. It doesn't matter which class you're in. There is always something that, you know, you, it's, it's bugging you every day. So we have a clinical psychologist and she is renowned, okay? You know, you know Shaquille O'Neal? Everyone knows Shaquille O'Neal. She, she's the head coach of happiness for him. I mean, that, that, that got a lot of our audience excited just for that. I mean, it's, it's amazing. She is uh, an author for four five books and that is six books it's amazing and all of them are amazing we're going to list all of those so you can check it out on amazon you can buy it you can go through it all of that is going to be available in the description so let's get into the episode right i've talked a lot let let's give her a chance <laughs> so good morning and hello elizabeth how are you how is everything going on? Uh, i'm great it's an honor to be here so thanks for having me Thank you. Thank you for being here. So let's start with, you know, the most current thing, I guess, in your life is get out of the red zone, transition your stress and optimize true success. This is the book that has come out and it's been a while, but it's very relatable. It's a very current topic and it's not even current. It's it's there. It's a perennial. It's, perennial. it's always been there and I guess we need to address it. So what is the red zone? Let's hear it from you. Yes. Okay. So when we're talking about the, when I'm talking about the red zone, I'm not talking about the football red zone, but rather the psychological red zone. And the psychological red zone happens when you experience high levels of stress or what in psychology we call distress. That's kind of the negative parts of stress. Stress can actually be positive. We call that you stress. And that's maybe when you're getting excited about going on spring break or, or doing, you know, going to a big party, something like that. But distress is any emotion you don't want. So it could be sadness, anxiety, fear, worry, guilt, shame, overwhelm, helplessness, hopelessness, worthlessness, Ugh, all goes in the distress pile. And distress exists on a continuum from zero, none at all, to 10, the most distressed you've been. So if you're angry at a 10 out of 10, you might be yelling or proverbial steam coming out of your ears. And the red zone happens when you're at a seven out of 10 or higher. So a seven and eight and nine or 10, that's the psychological red zone. And in the red zone, you think differently and you act differently. And and if anyone's wondering, am I in the red zone or not? Go to uh, elizabethlombardo.com. There is a quiz there for you. You can take that. You can understand there is a yourself. Quiz. Yes. And you can, you can, you know, go through it. So especially because if you know what you're going through, you can address it well. It's many people are just confused. Like, is this stress or am I just overthinking or is the what, what's happening? So that will give you some clarity. So ma'am, we've talked about the red zone. So how do we come out of it? You have famously used the age acronym for happiness. So does that apply in this case? Or is there something different over here? Um, uh, let's see. So to get so so just to, just a little more if I could about the red zone, can I talk a little more about the red zone? Because here's the thing, a lot of times people are like, Oh, yeah, I'm stressed. I've got a lot going on. And they do. What I really want people to understand is the impact of that. Because in the red zone, your brain functions differently than in the green zone. The green zone is zero, one, two, three, low levels of distress. You're using your frontal lobe, right? That beautiful structure that differentiates you from other animals. It allows you to engage in executive functioning problem-solving, perspective-taking, right? This is where confidence happens. I'm not perfect, but I believe 
This is resilience happens. Yes, times are tough and I know I can handle it. But as you go up on that distress scale, your focus narrows so that when you get into the red zone, the seven, the eight, the nine, the 10, we're focused almost exclusively on the negatives. And there's a biological reason for this because our limbic system, that fight or flight, literally hijacks your rational thinking. And this is why you may notice that you have, if you've ever, for example, said or done something that you later regretted, <laughs> that's that limbic system hijacking. So it's really important because not only does it cause us to have more stress being in the red zone, it causes us to think more negatively. It causes us to do things that we don't necessarily want to do procrastinate, have difficulty focusing and concentrating. It's tough to learn when you're in the red zone. So there's a significant impact, not only on your emotional well-being, which is enough, but also your ability to, to perform in academics, your ability to work, even your physical health. So with that being said, what, how do you get out of the red zone? Well, being told to just calm down doesn't work, right? And you're laughing because you know that when we're in the red zone, your subconscious almost, it's almost like your subconscious thinks you're drowning. If you're flailing around screaming because you're drowning and someone says, just calm down, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to do that, right? So I have a, a little acronym of how to get out of the red zone. And this is just when you're in that seven, that eight, that nine, that 10, you want to do these things to get out so you can start to think more rationally. And that acronym is helm so grab stress by the helm okay. h stands for halt and when i say halt i mean halt all movement in this region of your body which is your mouth don't let anything out of your mouth when you're in the red zone because that's when we say things we later regret and don't put anything in your mouth because that's when we tend to consume things we later regret so that's the h e is exercise now, I'm not talking about 90 minutes of yoga. That would be lovely. However, most of us don't have time for that. I'm talking a couple of minutes of a, a quick walk, jumping on the bed, doing some push-ups, sit-ups, squats. Anything to move your body is going to release biochemicals in your body and in your brain to help you get out of that red zone. So that's E. L is laughter, right? We know that laughter is the best medicine. Hopping on YouTube and watching some funny videos, um, you know, talking to a friend who's funny, even remembering a funny moment, the laughter can help again, release biochemicals that gets us out of the red zone. And then M of the helm principle stands for music, right? I'm sure you've heard a song that you haven't heard in years and it brings you right back to that time, right? Music is a very powerful impactor on our emotions. And so a lot of my coaching clients, I ask them to have a get out of the red zone playlist. Right. Of songs that bring them back to a happier time of lyrics they like, they can dance around. And because we're not thinking rationally in the red zone, if you have a playlist, all you have to do is hit play. And these will help you get out of the red zone. So then you can start to see things more rationally. You can start to think more rationally. You can start to problem solve and with whatever you're dealing with. Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. Because when we were back in college, our roommates and we, we, we would go and walk after dinner, you know, just to cool down. And that would definitely help. We had a playlist of ourselves for dance music, which would really, it's, it's hyped up music and that would really get out, you know, out. At least for that moment, you'll not be thinking about whatever is stressing you out. And when you're with friends, you laugh a lot. So that absolutely helps. So Helm is amazing and i just mentioned age so can we just hit uh, you know talk about that too so it's gratitude exercise and you know focusing on what you really care about or your values so how does that help us with you know in terms of happiness so how, yeah. 
So, you know, happiness, a, a lot of times people think happiness is an external thing. I'll be happier when, uh, you know, when I get an A on the test, when I'm on spring break, when I get the job. But really what we know is that happiness is an inside job. Interesting uh, research looking at, for example, um, people think, oh, if only I won a million dollars, then I'd be happy. And yet what we find is that when people win the lottery, their happiness increases it plateaus and then it goes back to where it was before and sometimes even lower. The opposite, if, if you think of something like, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? A lot of people say a spinal cord injury, right? Not being able to move my body. Well, we find something very similar in that happiness decreases for about first six months and then it plateaus and it goes back to where it was before. So it's the beauty is it's not external circumstances. We don't have to have a perfect life to be happy. It's what is going on within us and things like gratitude, which sounds so simple. But when you think about something or someone about which you're grateful and you don't just think, oh, I'm grateful for my friend. I'm grateful for school. But you, I say you bask in that gratitude. What does that mean? You think about why am I grateful for this? What is it about this person or this experience or even this item that brings me such gratitude? And when you sit in that, even for a couple of seconds, we know that the stress centers in our brain and reduce activity when we're in a state of gratitude. Now, another thing to consider is if you are in a relationship, um, whether it's a friendship or maybe your roommate or someone who you want to stay in the relationship, but they're kind of annoying you, practicing gratitude every day is very powerful. So thinking about, okay, here are the things I don't like about that person, but here's something I do like about that person. And the more you think about what you do like about that person, in a sincere way, not, you know, they were being less of a jerk today. That's not really gratitude. But OK, so I, I don't like their political beliefs, but I really appreciate and, and, you know, how kind they are to other people. I don't know. I'm just making that up. When you can do that, you can actually start to see that person in a different way. So a, a, a great thing to do if you're in a relationship that you can't get out of or you don't want to get out of, but you want to have more happiness in that relationship. Okay. That's that's amazing. That uh, I guess it a lot of lot for people to think about, especially and uh, then only you can act on it. So, mom, we also want to talk about one thing is that we are college students. We our audience consists of school students. So you know, it, it's a wide range. So basically, students. So we are with our friends most of the time, either studying or mm -hmm. any doing anything. But so one thing that our audience has also asked this main question is that how do we help our friends? So as you said, you can't just say, calm down, it's going to be all right. That doesn't help. <laughs> Mostly it actually has an inverse effect that people, you know, just get more <laughs> anger is like, dude, you don't tell me to calm down. Exactly. Okay. It's not going to help me. So what do we do? Exactly. Yeah. So there are a couple things to do. And the first thing is for you yourself to stay out of the red zone, right? We all know that when we're with people who are struggling, excuse me, <laughs> um, Sometimes that's it's contagious. So do what you can to be in your best place so that you aren't um, it, it isn't bringing you down to talk to your friend. Um, I, you can say I'm concerned about you. And, and if they want to talk, great. Ask, how can I best support you? Some people are going to say, hey, I, I, I want to talk about it. Some people are going to say, I want to do something fun because I'm feeling sad right now and something fun will help me. Some people will say, I don't know what to do. Um, and so ask them what, how you can best serve them. And always remember, help, getting help does not make you weak. It is a sign of strength. And here's the thing. This is how I view what I do when I work with clients. 
in school, whether it's elementary school, college, you, you learn things, right? You might learn about, so in elementary school, you learn about how to add and subtract. You, we learn how to read. We learn these things all through school. But when do you ever learn how to stress, how to, how to help yourself when you're dealing with a panic attack, for example, or anxiety or depression? And please hear me say, all of those are just skills, just like learning how to speak another language, just like learning how to do calculus or whatever else you might be learning in school. Why we don't have a course on this, I don't know. Although some, some colleges do have like a happiness course and that's part of it. But really that resilience and that grit and that how can I, how can I persevere even during difficult times? That, it, those are just skills. And when you go to the right therapist, coach, mentor, whoever it is, and learn those skills, the beauty is not only will it help you here and now, but it helps you forever because there are always going to be struggles. There's always going to be stuff that's thrown at us. When you have those skills, you are so much more empowered and able to persevere. Oh, definitely. And I, I really love this one thing that you had written is that in your first week of psychology school during the class, you thought to yourself that why don't everyone, why doesn't everyone learn this? Because we do need it. And I mean, I'm going through, I'm myself, I'm going through an introduction to psychology course. And it is so fascinating what I learned there, even though it's it's the basics, like we are learning, you know, ID, super ego, ego, and then we go to problem solving and all of that. But it's so fascinating because it's, it's real life. It is what you do on a daily basis. And yeah. that is what is not being taught and then you have like trigonometry which you probably won't use at any time in your life but okay i don't want to i don't want to get that controversy <laughs> but yes it's it's a funny thing so how do you think okay so what is your one or okay i don't want to go one any number of tips you know for students that you want them to you know keep in mind while they go through the journey of learning of so you know success in the in any field they are in and you know to enhance the performance yeah. and mindset and just an overall general thumb rules if you have anything yeah well i would suggest that you really prioritize your mental well-being by that i mean resilience i mean happiness i mean self-confidence and self-worth because what goes on up here impacts everything that goes on out here right i've worked with with clients who are straight a students but they still think i'm not good enough right and so we have to what i say rewire their brain every thought you have are just nerves firing your brain in a certain pattern and rewire that brain so that they see and view themselves in a different way. So really prioritizing your emotional well-being, your, your mindset is going to help you. Now, I have a practice in sports psychology. I work with executives. Um, I, you know, I work with, with highly successful entrepreneurs. And even though the people are different, the concepts are absolutely the same because the key to true success is it, is your mindset. I, I say true success isn't, you know, making a million dollars or buying a certain car, all of that stuff, super cool. But even when people do that, I have clients who come to me and say, uh, I have it all. Is this as good as it gets? Right. And so true success is three variables. It's passion, it's purpose, and it's people. Passion means positive energy, even during difficult times. It's getting out of the red zone. It's being resilient and having that confidence. Purpose. We all need purpose in our lives, right? And so a lot of people, for example, in college might find their purpose in, um, in getting good grades or in being part of a group. Finding a purpose that's important to you, that's really meaningful to you is, 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 is key. And one way to do that is to engage in activities, to do things where you are serving others. 
I'm not saying you have to, you know, quit school and move to Africa and build water wells for three months. But I am saying, how are you giving to other people, even holding the door open, even looking at the barista in the eye and saying thank you? Those little tiny things help enhance our purpose. And then the third component of true success formula is people optimizing your relationships with others. And when you have passion, purpose, and people, whether it's in college or after college, that is when you can truly enjoy success. Yes, okay, that's beautifully put, but I have one doubt that you have said that in tough times, you should find positivity. So ma'am, how do we stay real instead of, you know, being in denial or, you know, delusional where everything's going wrong, but you're still like, hey, no, I got this. Everything's beautiful. It's okay. I just lost a million dollars, but hey, it's amazing. (laughs) So how do you not get into that? Well, it's about being real, right? I mean, we can be happy even during difficult times and it's okay to be sad. It's human to be sad. And so having, you know, someone, first of all, you as an individual admitting, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of struggling right now. Having people to talk to about that is very important. Journaling where you write out, you take paper to pen, like you could do it on a computer too, but you take paper to pen and write out what am I saying to myself? What's going on in my mind right now um, can be so incredibly powerful. In fact, there have been some cool research studies in psychology. They call it written emotional disclosure, but it's journaling. Okay. And they had college students write out for 20 minutes either what they did yesterday or their deepest, darkest secret, like the thing that troubles them the most. And they did this for two, maybe three times. That's it. And then they follow these college students. And what they found was that students who wrote about their deepest, darkest secrets had less depressed mood, less anxiety, less trips to the healthcare just from that intervention. So getting it from here, scientists say we have 60,000 thoughts racing through our minds and we're, we're saying all kinds of unkind things to ourselves. And by the way, the majority of what we're saying to ourselves isn't even true. When we take it from our head and put it down on paper, then we get a different perspective. Then we get some control over it. Being vulnerable with friends, being able to say, you know what, I'm struggling right now, again, whether it's friends or a professional, absolutely vital. And I will say, you know, as as an older generation, there's a real change even in even in the corporate world right now of a great leader. It used to be a great leader was always positive and focused on, you know, let's go rah rah. Now when I'm working with with my execs, it's really about teaching them how to be vulnerable because a lot of people feel uncomfortable being vulnerable. I find that college students are a lot more open to it, which is great. You all have the skill. And I would say, don't fake it to you, make it works on on some level. It's important to process those emotions. It's important to acknowledge those emotions and realize you are having those emotions for a reason, right? I I, I like to think of if you, if you put your hand on a stove, what happens? You have have pain. And that's good. If you didn't have pain, you wouldn't take your hand away and your hand would burn more. When you have emotions that you don't want, it's just like physical pain in that there's something going on up here. Our thoughts create our emotions. We're saying something to ourselves. I'm no good. No one likes me. I'll never amount to anything. I don't know what it is. But those thoughts are going through your mind. It's the emotion that we're aware of. So you want to stop and ask yourself, what am I saying to myself right now that's causing me to feel sad, angry, overwhelmed, helpless, hopeless, worthless? And that will give you a lot of insight. 
this this was this is an amazing segue for my next question but i want to stop here and you know i just want to ask you know for a fun element is that you've you've had so much success so many talk shows steve harvey today show you've been everywhere you've worked with you know top entrepreneurs and celebrities everything you've written so many books so how is your experience in all of this especially i guess what our audience wants to listen is what we have found out is what was it how did you work with shack how how was the steve harvey experience for you and i i mean as us in india we are, we are a fan of steve harvey we you know with watched his videos and for I, i think our audience is like would be spellbound to be even be there in the show so how was that experience how was how did it happen how was it well i'll tell you let me tell you first how it happened so i was um scared to death to speak in front of more than 3 people and okay. i hated being on camera but i wrote this book called a happy you your ultimate prescription for happiness and i realized i this tells you how old I am. This is like way before like social media stuff. And so I realized I, I needed to create a platform. I needed to, I wanted to speak and I wanted to be on TV. So we have a show in the U S called the today show at the time it was the biggest morning show, maybe about eight, nine million people watching it. And I was like, I want to get on the today. Show. I have no, I know no one there. I can't afford a PR agent. So I start finding producers names and pitching them. So sending them emails and i did this for 2 years straight 2 years straight i'm pitching different people no one's responding to me finally one day i get a response and it's um i had pitched one particular producer she forwarded me to another producer and said i don't know who this person is this elizabeth but she may be helpful so this producer reaches out to me and says great send me your reel So I got on Google and hit what is a reel because I didn't know what a reel is. Okay, okay. I, I had no idea. It's your it's your it's your clips. You probably I know know that. So I put together a reel because I've been on some local shows and I sent it and I'm like, ha, I'm gonna be on the Today Show, and I didn't hear anything for about six months, um, but eventually I was on. And so what is it like? It is you know it's interesting because um, depending on the show. So Today Show it's it's one green room. in general depending on how important you are if you're if you're important you may have a smaller green room i.e. you're in a room you know just you if you're really important you have your you have a little tent in in Rockefeller Center in the in the basement um but what i find most interesting is how even people like i was hanging out once with uh Jane Lynch i don't know if you know who she is but she's now she's been in a bunch of movies um i was hanging out with her once in the green room and it was so inter- and, and you know a, a bunch of other people too but she really struck me because i i always loved her movies i think she's hysterical she seems so confident she probably is super confident but she was just like everyone else in the green room like make me a little nervous just kind of trying to have conversations and it really just reminds us that regardless of how famous you are everyone is human i remember oprah i was i have not been on oprah show yet um but i remember oprah saying regardless of who it was the biggest celebrity of all or someone who never been on tv as soon as the cameras were off they always asked the following question how was i was i okay did it go okay yeah. even movie stars who are making you know 15 20 million dollars and are on the camera all the time even they ask so i think it's just a great reminder of how despite what people you know what we see on the outside everyone is human on the inside and everyone has their own fears and concerns yeah that's that's a beautiful story i mean i'm just, i'm just psyched right now just by you know listening to it it's amazing it's 
uh, we started this podcast with the same struggles. We, you know, trying to get guests. No one would, you know, interview two college students, and it it was the whole thing. And now we we we're getting good people. It's it's fun. It's fun to talk to you at this That's moment. Fun. It's amazing, and it's totally relatable. And I I can totally see that happening. Is that how regardless of how famous you are, you still have that same I don't know it, the same person who was there still struggling with their confidence it's that part of you is still alive so okay so that was and not uh, only is it still alive but if you think about it like like where where we are you know social media may you know may you know see us doing something stupid but like for, for me at least no one really cares but when you're you know that famous you you know you have a pimple and the entire it's 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 you know it's on page six of the new york post so um i'll tell you can i tell you a funny story as long as you want to hear please, behind please, the scenes please. stuff we all do. so i was on um dr. Oz, and i know dr Oz is doing some political stuff but this is way before his political stuff and um and it was uh it, it was i think it was my first time on dr Oz. it was oh i know it was and so interestingly so it usually the producer will do a dress rehearsal with you but Dr. Oz, he himself was at the dress rehearsal, wow. which is kind of cool. He really, really, I mean, not that the other people don't care about it, but he's, yes. he really, he really is, is, is passionate about his, his show. So I'm there, I'm, I'm sitting on the couch and um, I'm, I'm all, I'm all dressed, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for, for it, but it's, the cameras aren't on yet. And so I, it's, it's Oz and we're talking to someone and it's my, and I'm over here. And so, so we're, we're both coaching this woman and I hear behind me, there's a cart being pushed doesn't matter, you know, whatever, I'm focusing on the conversation. And next thing I know, I'm feeling wet on me. And what happened was they, the segment after mine was supposed to be um, like a barbecue segment. And they had a can of beer that they were going to use to make whatever oh. they were making. And somehow, I don't know how this happened. The can went from the cart, it must have bumped, and it somehow landed on me. So I am drenched in beer. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And we're going, you know, we're taping in about 45 minutes and I have beer all over me and my dress is totally ruined. And I'm, I'm just kind of laughing because what are you going to do? And I will say Dr. Oz was so gracious. He was absolutely mortified that this happened to his guest. And within, within 25 minutes, they had dry cleaned my dress. I was all cleaned up and I, I was ready wow. to go. But I, I was because I'm like, Dr. Oz meets how many people? I'm like, but how many people does he meet? on his show and they have a beer spilled on him so i hope he remembers me oh definitely and, the, and kudos <laughs> to the team they must have really done it so fast so this is amazing so yeah so coming back to uh, you know the next uh, topic which i want to discuss is is based on mitzi so she's the inner critic in you everyone has their own uh, maybe someone's is leo or someone's is derek i don't know anyway so that's definitely one of the main well, their mother but that's another conversation yes <laughs> definitely it, it, everyone might someone might have related with that so what do we do with that so the the reason i ask this is uh, related to you know the self love concept is that firstly for you know loving yourself you need to be kind to yourself and that doesn't happen because if i made for me I, myself personally if i made a mistake in a guest episode i would be mortified after the episode i will be killing myself for like at least one hour <laughs> and just you know just it's the thing like i had this good golden opportunity even though the guest is probably okay with it it's like okay this one small mistake but for yourself you're like Oh my gosh, what I've done. And this is relatable for everything. So how do we, you know, lower the volume of that inner Mitzi and, you know, 
elevate the positive one. Yeah, yeah. So I have a couple of things to say about that. Uh, first of all, I, I wrote a book called Better Than Perfect, which is this notion of, you know, instead of perfect versus failure, you know, one mistake means I'm a failure. It's better than perfect. It's like, that's just hey, better than perfect. And I oftentimes, especially if I'm on stage, I've been on stage before in front of, you know, a couple thousand people and my mic doesn't work. Like, what do you do? I just say, ah, better than perfect. So, you know, kind of embracing this I'm human can, can be really helpful. But yeah, so this this inner critic, I, as you said, I call her Mitzi. Everyone has this inner critic. The higher up we are in the red zone, the louder that inner critic gets, right? So maybe you've had an experience where when you're, when you're in the green zone, you're, you're at low levels of distress. And I talk about this in the book. You know, we can say, okay, I made a mistake and it's not that big a video, right? But in the red zone, we're beating ourselves up. So here's what I like to think of. If you think of a drill sergeant, a drill sergeant in the army, a drill sergeant in the army most likely is yelling at the soldier to, you know, do something. But what is the ultimate goal of the drill sergeant? The ultimate goal is to help that soldier succeed in combat. Okay. So even though he's, he, I'm, I'm generalizing the drill sergeants, a man, even though he's being mean, the ultimate goal is positive, wants the, the soldier to do well. Now, contrast that with a cheerleader. A cheerleader what? Cheers, woo, woo, woo. Comes out nice. What is the ultimate goal of a cheerleader? To help you do better, right? So I like to think, what, what I recommend is first and foremost, you, you acknowledge your inner critic. And by that, you call it out. Whether it's a name, oh, there's Mitzi, the blank. Or, um, or you just say, that's my inner critic speaking. And then you can remind yourself, a drill sergeant, even though the drill sergeant says mean things, the ultimate goal is that they want you to be successful. So if it were true that your inner critic is mean sounding, but wants you to be successful, what is it ultimately after? And for you, your inner critic wants you to have a successful show, wants you to be successful. So if you can listen to that, then you can say, okay, if my inner critic which comes out not very nice, ultimately wants me to be successful. I appreciate that. And then if you make a mistake, how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can I help other people? How can I help myself now and in the future? But again, calling out so that, so that inner critic doesn't take over because as soon as you call it out, as soon as you label it, you take control over it. And then remembering what's that positive underlying motivation, even though it doesn't sound so great, What's the ultimate positive underlying motivation that they want? And then focus on that. Okay. Oh, that, that's a beautiful perspective. I, I, I myself have never thought about it. Like, and it really gives me something to think about. That's amazing. So this is, I guess it's very relatable. I mean, uh, I, many of my friends, I've seen themselves. Like if I made a mistake, they would be like, dude, it's okay. It's fine. It's okay. You made a mistake. You learn from it. You do it better. But if they, they themselves make a mistake, they're like, panicking and everything's wrong everything's suddenly wrong you know what i want you to do i want you to watch uh people being interviewed on television like the big tv like the big whatever the big tv shows are people being interviewed on television they all make mistakes they stumble over their words they they, they can't remember what they were going to say we don't realize it when we're watching it because it's so common. But when you watch people to look for that, you'll notice it happens all the time and you've never judged it because it's just part of everyday conversation. It's kind of like if you're talking to your best friend, if you really take a step back, they may forget a word, they may flub up over a word, they may mess something up. You aren't thinking, oh my gosh, what's wrong with that person? It, you don't even notice it. So if you can kind of put yourself in that, 
position. I, I will say, uh, I was, I mentioned before, I was scared to death to ever be on, on television. And I have a dear friend who uh, right now she's, um, she's a news anchor in, in a, um, a, a show in, in, um, in the United States. But she used to do field reporting. And field reporting is, of course, when you're out and you don't, you don't have a teleprompter. And I was like, how, you know, how are you speaking? Like, how are you speaking so clearly and so succinctly? It's as if you're reading a teleprompter. And she said this. She said, here's the thing. If you speak with confidence, if you smile and act like you know what you're talking about, it does not matter what you were saying. And the research shows okay. in terms of face-to-face -face communication, only 7% is the words that we are saying. So for you, as long as you're confident, as long as you're having fun, you're holding your, you have your, your body language is saying, I'm enjoying this. It almost doesn't matter what you're saying. Yes. And I'm not trying yeah, to minimize what you're saying, but yes. I'm just trying to help you yes. see it. No, yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Because I've heard this exact same analogy for like interview preparation. Like we currently are going through that process. So it, I, I, when I was studying, you know, how to be, better at you know being an interviewee and you know to give uh to probably get a job or for any any reason and that's the one thing that really comes up is like what do you say is the seven percent a lot of it is how you say it what you're looking at how is your hands and all of that and that's absolutely amazing body language yeah posture your tone of voice and yeah. just your energy and by the way your energy you know, how you are felt by others is directly related to what you're saying to yourself. Right? We've all seen people who, who act confident, but it feels a little incongruent, like something's going on there. It's probably because inside they're beating themselves up. If you say nice things to yourself, and we can talk about another way to do that if you want, um, then that's the energy that you portray. That's what people feel, and that's going to significantly impact them. Yes, oh, definitely. Like, uh, it's very relatable because me, my, like me personally, I had this thing, you know, when I got just into college, it was like, I'm overweight. And I used to be very insecure about that. Now I'm, I'm okay because the pandemic has, you know, changed my perspectives and I've learned a lot of new things. So for me, it was, I used to be a very shy person and uh, that really impacted how people saw me. And then nowadays I realized that I don't, if I don't really care about my weight or anything, people really view me in a different way so it's not really the same thing that's because i am protruding that energy out there was that's what's different and it it definitely is very true and relatable so amazing so this concludes our question segment so this is what we had planned for you now we have a new segment that we brought on is from our audience so we have questions from our audience which we had asked them earlier so let's go through it quickly so first one is from arpan so i guess he researched you about uh, about you a bit or he read it from our stories and instagram or something so he knows that you know you have worked with athletes so he asks what do you uh, what do you give as an advice or tell the bench players who you know are not you know the in especially in basketball you're not the not everyone is playing for like you know 40 minutes or not everyone's there yes. always so what do you tell them and what's their you know how do you approach their mindsets before you know they play a match that's so interesting because i literally was talking about this last night on, a, on another call so uh what do you do first and foremost what well, you want to you want to do two things you want to address internally and externally externally meaning keep practicing right a addressing the the you know doing 
going above and beyond in terms of your practice so that you are getting even more skills, but also doing in terms of being a great teammate. When I meet with college coaches, when I meet with professional coaches and ask them, how do you choose who you want to bring? Part of it is obviously their skill, but another part of it is who is this person? Are they kind? Are they good teammates? Are they the one who's going to stay late and, you know, help help pick up balls and put stuff away? Are they the one who's going to go to a teammate who totally missed a shot and say, you got this next one? Because that is the person that they're going to want on their team. So behaviorally address those things, but also mindset. What are you saying to yourself? Are you saying I'm no good and so this is never going to work out? Or are you saying I'm going to keep I'm going to keep working on it? My chance is coming. And, and, and basketball is a great one. We all know about, or maybe you know about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan probably the best player ever, right? We know he didn't even make his high school college team, but what did he do? He never gave up up here. And he always had that mindset of, I'm going to keep working, resilience, grit, and he got to what he wanted. So making sure your mindset is such that we call it that growth mindset. I'm not the starter yet. And how can I, how can I keep focusing? And part of that too, is really using your mind. So when I'm working with, with athletes, we do a lot of visualizations. We do a lot of, of, um, again, rewiring your brain from I'm no good to I've got this. And even a simple visualization of, of witnessing yourself, um, playing the game, or even, even another thing that can be helpful is just witnessing yourself 15 minutes after, whatever goal you want to achieve, whether it's, it's, it's getting the, the winning basket in basketball or whatever it is and experience the joy, the excitement, the confidence, the gratitude, putting that in your system elevates your energy. And that's going to attract more positive things into your, and also think about it. <laughs> and everyone loves an inspirational story, right? The, the person who comes from behind Hollywood is all about inspirational stories. Inspirational stories have two ingredients, hardship, overcoming hardship. If you're on the bench, you've got the first ingredient, right? So just keep persevering because when you achieve what you want to achieve, it's going to feel so much better and it's going to be perceived as so much better. Someone who constantly does well and just keeps going up. Okay, great. They did well, but it's that person who's on the bench who never gave up, who then, you know, scores the, the, the winning basket. Wow. Right. That's, that's even more powerful. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And this is, something for my the audience is that watch american underdog a very good movie on underdogs really you know exactly what we're talking about right now anyways yes, side exactly. <laughs> that's a sidebar so coming to the topic is tanishk has asked uh, how how do you identify you know sociopaths and empaths and if you know someone how do you help them sociopaths and empaths so the exact opposite huh so sociopaths of course have no empathy um how do you recognize them uh part of it is a feeling my my, my mentor used to call it um access access to is the is is how we um it's how we diagnose different um psychological disorders and she used to talk about that you have an access to barometer you just kind of feel like this is the technical term yuck right? You just kind of have this sense of something's off here. So use your intuition. Part of that is that, but, but also a sociopath is, is someone again, who has no empathy. It's going to be a, be a very one-sided relationship. They're going to be asking you to give, 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 and never take. They're going to be putting you down and getting upset if you, even if you don't overtly put them down, but it's a perceived slight. So it's a very 
one-sided relationship. And the thing about sociopaths in general is because they lack empathy, they don't necessarily want to get better. So the best thing to do is to try to stay away from people like that and, and, and distance yourself. When it comes to empaths who absorb people's energy, right? If someone said they feel sad, um, that's a really tough one. Uh, if you are with that person, you want to make sure that you check your own, you know, your own emotional being again, so staying out of the red zone. If you are that person, there are some benefits in that you, you, you want to be empathetic, but you also really want to learn the skills of how can I protect my energy because feeling for everyone and giving all of your energy away is not helpful to you and ultimately isn't helpful to others. So learning the skills of how can I, how can I care, but also how can I not absorb all of that energy and, and, and take it in myself? Yeah, definitely. And I guess at, at some point it'll just become exhausting and to just, take a lot from you so yes the sec the third question is from Mranank so this is a big question and I'm gonna say the whole question and then I'll you know just give a summary so, so for your clarity okay. so how can working class individual or youth figures or experience who experience symptoms of burnout identify it and what's the most stable way to get over it in a short amount of time Everyone wants a short amount. Everyone wants a hack nowadays. So, <laughs> so, and if we could do it in five seconds, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. So, so he also is asking this because uh, you have counseled athletes, so they must be facing this. So that's why he's asking. So basically, how do you identify burnout and how do we solve them? I, maybe not in you know a short time. Let's go in a long term. <laughs> let's, let's talk. <laughs> well, okay, I can answer it. Okay. So how do you identify burnout? Burnout happens when you um, don't have the energy to engage in activities that you used to, when you are no longer interested in doing them. So let's say for a college student, for example, it might be studying like I, you're just you're so overwhelmed with stress. You're so in the red zone. Burnout is being in the red. It's burnout is living in the red zone. Right. So so you, you just you're so overwhelmed emotionally, behaviorally, you, you can't you, you have trouble focusing. You don't want to study. You avoid you procrastinate. And even the thought of doing it is exhausting, right? So that's kind of what burnout is. What can you do? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you something that is really helpful and anyone can do regardless of time. And it's called a three by five, three by five. And I don't mean a three by five mindex card. I mean, three times a day for five minutes, could be more if you want, for at least five minutes do something healthy and helpful that gets you out of the red zone and elevates your energy in a positive way. And I want you to actually schedule it in your phone or in your calendar. So what could that be? Maybe waking up in the morning and um, practicing gratitude. We know, we know that watching the news in the morning for just three minutes increases your chance of being in the red zone by 27%. Because the news tends to be bad news, right? So, so starting the morning, maybe in gratitude for some people, maybe prayer, maybe listening to a song that you love, but maybe having an intention, setting an intention. Today, I am going to, you know, I my intention is to bring joy to other people, whatever it is. It could be exercising, moving your body, maybe going for a brisk walk, maybe spending time with people who you love, like your friends, your family. Sorry. Um, um, you know, doing fun things. What is that for you? It may be engaging in a hobby, you know, playing an instrument, going out and, and kicking around a soccer ball. So it doing things that are positive for you 
on a regular basis. And again, it doesn't have to be eight hours a day. If you do it for just five minutes, three times a day, what that's going to do is instead of creeping up on the distress scale, you're going to keep going down and keep going down and keep going down. So even as life goes on, the day goes on, it'll it'll keep bringing you down. And the more you do that, the more you're rewiring your brain to get out and stay out of the red zone. And and 15 minutes, I guess everyone can give that. 24 hours, you can, can give help. 15 minutes. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the fourth question is from me. Okay, that's my question. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we are all fans of you know Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. We are all these greats. And the one thing that they have in common is an obsessive need to succeed. And as Michael Jordan says himself, he asks from himself more than anyone else possibly could. So my question for you was, is that a healthy mindset? Is that something that is good? Because if you apply that in anything, he's applying, they're applying that for basketball. If you do it for, you know, baseball or cricket or football or anything, you would get success because that is inevitable. I guess if you practice something more and more and more every day, you're bound to get good at it. And is that healthy? Is that something good? Or is in the long run, is it bad? Because, I mean, Kobe... He he's still happy with all of that because he loves that. Michael Jordan was happy with all of that. So, what do you think about that? Well, you, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've worked with athletes with that mindset, and, and it, it can be very helpful when it brings them fulfillment. So, remember the true success formula: passion, purpose, and people. Some people who have that mindset, it is their absolute passion. It is their ultimate purpose. And with the people, they're they're with the people who they care a lot about. And so that brings them that true success. For other people, they're, they're trying to push themselves so hard and they feel that stress. And it's not just stress like, oh, this is hard. It's stress like, oh, I feel like I'm being burned out. That tends to be more usual. And so what you want to do is you want to push yourself, but you also want to take a break. And even with my elite athletes, even with my professional athletes, we talk a lot about training hard and resting hard, right? It's important to train hard, but if you train 24 seven, you're going to get an injury. You're going to get exhausted. It isn't going to work. Part of the importance of training is resting and resting. I call it resting hard, but by that, I mean, making sure it's recuperative, getting sleep, Good quality sleep, having fun, the nutrition, the meditation, the visualization, the mindset stuff, and spending time with friends and family and getting that positivity in your life. That is, that's resting hard. And when you rest hard, then you can train harder and you can rest harder. And, but you have to have both of those components because if you don't, you're in trouble. And even the even the elite athletes who are getting up at you know four in the morning and doing double and triple practices, one of the things that the majority of them do is they sleep. They prioritize their sleep. So again, training hard and resting hard. Resting hard really is part of training hard, but a lot of times it's overlooked. Okay. So the last question is by Aryan. And he's asked that many times I want to hang out with my friends, but I, you know, I can't, I, I am exhausted. So, or I just want to focus on myself. I want to finish my studies. I want to finish, or I want to get my me time and, you know, meditate or whatever. But I feel very guilty about it because I'm putting myself first instead of my friends. Whereas they are like, dude, come on, you've not, we've not talked in like weeks and you still, you don't want to talk to us. What is this? So how do you address that? 
Well, you know, it's a fine balance because what happens is when we get into the red zone, um, for example, people who have depression, a lot of times what they do is they, they, um, they have social withdrawal. They don't spend time with their friends. That's part of being depressed, for example, which then leads to more depressed mood, which leads to more social isolation, which leads to more depressed mood, and it becomes this downward spiral. So you want to ask yourself, am I doing this because of where I am in my mindset, or is this something that's really going to be healthier for me? And, and that's something only you can know. Spending time with friends is important. Spending time with yourself and that self-care is absolutely vital. And you can't really get the benefits of spending time with friends if you're so overwhelmed yourself. So there's no one right or wrong for that, except to say, get rid of the guilt, right? Get rid of the guilt. And by the way, guilt is caused by a word. Guilt is caused by one word. And that one word is should, when you should all over yourself, I should be with my friends. That's when we feel guilt and shame. So I want you to literally delete the word should and change it to would like, I should spend time with my friends. I would like to spend time with my friends and I would like to spend time with my friends when I'm in a better place. In order for me to be in a better place, I want to make sure I get my studies done. I want to meditate. I want to get, I want to get my sleep. And then I'm going to be in a better place to really enjoy and get the benefits from being with that friend. That's amazing. That's amazing. This has been this has been one of my favorite episodes. This is so good. We've covered so many yeah. good topics, and it's been fun. So coming to the last segment, it's basically consists of two questions that we ask all our guests. So the first question is, which is the best mistake do you feel you've made, which has had a very positive impact later, or it has you know you made you learn new things? The best mistake I've made. Well, I would go back to the story I was telling before about about not getting on the Today Show because I thought to, for two years I pitched I pitched and pitched and I thought this is going to change my life. Had I gotten on the Today Show when I first started pitching, I wouldn't have been very good because I wasn't very good on TV at that time. And if you get on the if you get on a show like that and you're not very good, it like it goes in their their database of she's not very good. Let's not have her back. Because I failed for two years, but I kept pitching. I then, once I was on, I was good enough such that I'm now in their Rolodex and they'll call me up, you know, for, for whatever. I mean, I've been on, you know, a bunch of times. So I would say, you know, that kind of failure. And, and I have a mindset um, that things happen for a reason, right? And so we, we've all heard that, but I, I truly, I truly live by that. Um, and, and if you can say, if you can say, if it were true that things happen for a reason, what might this be? then that can be really powerful. And, and I'll say, you know, we didn't talk about this. I, I sometimes talk about this. My husband right now, the love of my life, we've been together for over half my life, is currently, um, he's been on a ventilator for five years. He's completely paralyzed. He's been, he's been dying for seven. Um, and it's, it's horrific. At the same time, if my mindset is things happen for a reason, it's not we're being punished. It's how can I use this experience maybe for me to be more empathetic to other people, for me to become more resilient, for me to be more present instead of worrying about the silly little things maybe of work to be more present and, and being able to be with him now because any day he could be gone. So again, if, if you know, I, I think that concept of um, everything happens for a reason gets thrown out a lot, but it when I work with my clients, when I work with myself, I say, if it were true, how might this be beneficial for you? And so I think that can be a, a helpful way to look at things. Oh, definitely. And all our thoughts, all our prayers are with him. We hope, wish him 
uh, so that he gets well soon as soon as possible so that's so coming to the last question is that we see many books behind you at the moment and you've <laughs> been an author yourself so are there any books or movies that you have watched which really impacted you in your life and it could be a number of books it could be 10 books any number of books um gosh books wise i i'm a big fan of joe dispenza i'm not sure if you're familiar with his work um his newest book i think is becoming is becoming supernatural um he had a book called um something like getting out of the habit of being yourself he's a he's really into quantum physics um and how can we create our reality and as a, as a psychologist um i especially in in psychology school it was all about research 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 and what i love about what he does is he really he really shares the research of why this stuff works and the power of it and um i i went when i was in college in grad school i used to try to meditate and i thought i failed i couldn't meditate because my mind wanders <laughs> I, i i now tell people um your mind wanders because you're alive and we like that about you so so mind will wander but but you know c- keeping to meditation so i would say some of joe dispenza's work um has been really powerful for me bruce lipton um candice per the 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 um um the bio, biology of emotions i think is is her, was was her seminal work but really understanding mind and body connection um and how powerful our mind is we can't control what goes on out here but we can always control if we learn the skills what goes on up here and that's when we can make those changes in our lives that's amazing that's amazing this has been an amazing episode this has been so many topics to cover uh, a lot of the audience a lot for the audience to think about so that's always good the more people think about cool. it the more they can address every issue that they have so thank you thank you elizabeth thanks a lot for coming today this has been amazing well thank you so much and i just want to say this was one of i i don't know that i've ever been on a podcast where someone did so much research on me and my work so i'm just going to say thank you for that you did a lot of work and i'm very grateful for it and just grateful to to oh. get to to be with you all today it was my pleasure it was so much fun reading about you so much fun watching your videos cuz i i i like psychology cuz i like you know the things about the human brain and you know the mind and what people think and how you can deal with it and I, i'm and watching your videos was not even only research but it was just fun for me it was i was having fun i was learning so many new things and it was just amazing so for the audience we're going to list all the links in our description you can go check it out linkedin facebook twitter everything is going to be there elizabeth's uh, website it's going to be there you can go check it out connect with her have so much fun going through her content yeah, i will list all the books and you can get your hands on them through amazon get out of your red zone get out of the red zone better than perfect a happy you from entitlement to intention goodbye imposter syndrome that's uh, so many good topics a wide range it's amazing so thank you and i'll say and i'll say on insta we're doing um ask dr e so people yes. can post questions and then we're we're answering them. So follow me on Instagram. If you have other questions, just pop them up there and um you know, we can we can just keep the conversation going. Yes. Yes, definitely. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thanks a lot Thank for today. Thank you so much. So-